Welcome to Future Charlotte, the podcast where we talk about the issues, trends, and people shaping the future of our city. Today, we're going to be talking about the minority-owned business ecosystem in Charlotte. What challenges do minority business owners face in starting a new company and sustaining it? Is Charlotte a good place for minority-owned firms to do business? And what can we do to make this city's minority-owned businesses, and by extension, all of us, more successful? We're joined today by three guests who have studied and lived these questions. Angelique Gaines is a social research specialist at the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. Les Lambert is senior vice president and business banking market executive at Bank of America. And James Whitner, entrepreneur and founder of the Whitaker Group, which operates retail and fashion brands such as Social Status. Thank you all for being here. Yes, thank you for having us. We appreciate the inclusion. James, let's start with you. Tell us a little about your story as a business owner. Uh, how did you get started? What businesses do you operate? And what challenges did you face along the way? So as you mentioned, I'm James Whitner, uh, owner and founder of the Whitaker Group, uh, which is inclusive. I'm on a year social status, APB and Prosper. Um, about 15, 16 years, I'm losing track of time at this point. Um, I decided to move down to Charlotte because I thought it uh, would give me a great opportunity to start a business. That business that I started at the time is uh, was kind of the root foundation of what I'm doing today. The business was called Flavor Factory. The business that I'm in is retail, to be clear. For the first five years, I kind of just stumbled around and figured the market out. Got an understanding of, you know, what are the things that are important for the Charlotte market and the, the larger North American market. And then um, after about five years of getting it right oh, or, or figuring it out, I figured that I needed to kind of refocus all the things that I understood that were right and kind of try to figure out how to edit out some of the things that I weren't, wasn't doing so well. And that's when um, social status was birthed in 2011. So uh, initially I came down in 2005, social status was birthed in 2011. After that, we had uh, Amaminier, APB and Prosper. And um, we've been, we've been blessed to see growth ever since. That's, that's the abbreviated story. I'm sure Les will, Les will poke with me up. Les will poke me to say more, but uh, that's the that's the short version. What are your products? Um, I'll poke at you. Yeah, I figured as much. <laughs> we are we're we're one of the um, so in our world we sell very limited edition, uh, hard to find, exclusive products, and we work with everybody from um, uh, Balenciaga, Saint Laurent goodness gracious, um, Nike, Adidas, Brand Jordan. Um, we've had the uh, pleasure of being able to work on um, several collaborations with Nike and Jordan. And we're one of the few global, um, global tier zero accounts in the world. And we're considered, um, I like bad, bad different name for different industries, but we're, we're a key partner for just about all of our, all of our, uh, all of our, all the brands that we work with. And starting um, a business and starting, you know, uh, retail in particular, there's a lot of challenges uh, I know around that. Everything from real estate to products to finding uh, access to capital and the marketing expertise. Uh, what were some challenges that you faced along the way? And um, were there any challenges you faced that you felt were more specific to the Black-owned business experience? I think in the beginning is real estate. And it's something that um, me and Les talked about. And I had to really go back and think about the beginning, right? Because it's easy to think about 
where we are now because the business is, is established and we've been at it for 15 years. But some of it is just about, uh, especially for black and brown entrepreneurs, location and being able to being able to get in the right places and acquire the right real estate, either through purchase or lease, is something that's really tough getting started, right? And it's one of the one of the things that I found very early in our business. Flavor Factory was was located. Uh, its, its initial location was south of Tavola. Um, I think I think an Avis Renter car is there now. So when you think about it, it was a pretty horrible location. But that was that was the best that someone was willing to offer me at the time, right? And as I as I was in the market a little longer. I strategically figured out how to land better locations and, and inevitably ended up on Central Avenue. So I think um, I think real estate, real estate is one of the first, one of the real estate acquisition acquisition is one of the first. And then the second I say, I would say we'll go to capital and then having just professional help. So Angelique, uh, the reason that we're here and talking about this is the Urban Institute has been working on a study about the minority-owned business ecosystem in Charlotte in partnership with Bank of America. So as one of the, the key researchers for that study, uh, tell us about what this research has found are some of the biggest obstacles uh, that minority business owners face in Charlotte and, and what do they say are some things that are challenging? Um, so the business owners and supporting organizations that participated in our study identified several challenges, um, the largest one being access to capital and funding. Um, so the majority of uh, small businesses in our study use their personal savings or credit cards to start their business. Um, so the lack of capital disallows um, these small minority business owners the opportunity to you know, obtain needed materials and resources, um, maintain business operations such as marketing and accounting or hire employees to uh, really grow their um, business. Um, another obstacle was access to markets. Um, another one, business operations, just needing the help with marketing, accounting, management, technology. Um, another barrier was regulation and legal requirements. Um, so just ensuring that all activities um, related to business structure, registration, tax requirements, licensure, insurance, all of those legal documents were already uh, established. Um, and for them, they had a real, um, they had real trouble just having a central location to find what the requirements were and then how, what did they mean for their business? What did it mean for their business? So, um, and then the lastly, one of the um, barriers that were highlighted was capacity. So a lack of staff, um, personal expertise in um, various areas to really um, scale their business up. So Les, for any business owner, uh, just starting out, there are a lot of challenges. And obviously some of those can be compounded uh, for minority business owners who might face uh, higher additional barriers and the impacts of historic uh, discrimination and all those things that have accumulated for a long time in our society. Tell me a little bit about what you do and uh, what Bank of America is doing to help improve the, uh, the ecosystem, the support structures, and the outcomes uh, for these businesses. First of all, Eli, thank you for having us here today. 
um, looking forward to this session. So Bank America has made a, a $1.25 billion commitment to enhance our support in advancing racial equality. And one of the key areas of focus is around our, our commitment to small business, especially the black and brown business owners. So I happen to be the co-lead along with Erica Duncan for this initiative for Charlotte. But just to let you know, we have this taking place in I think 14 other markets around our footprint. So it's not just one area. We are really a focus on this um, throughout our, the footprint. So we, we are focusing on three pillars and actually James hit on it. James is one of our advisors, by the way. We have five advisors, external advisors, two, I'm sorry, three are business owners and two are former Bank America execs. We've um, identified about 15 businesses, black owned businesses that we're working with, um, of which we're gonna put them in this pilot. And the first group of cohort is a group of six that we're gonna focus our attention on first and make sure we get this right. We think about all the needs, all these challenges. And what you, you think about, you mentioned about the challenges in the past for minority owned businesses. Well, then you throw on the whole impact of the, the pandemic on top of it, it makes it even worse. We're seeing businesses, and I've seen some research where said businesses nationally are shutting down 50% higher than ever before in the black and brown community. You know, can't find out, if, we can't determine right now if they're going to eventually reopen or not, but that's the stats I saw. So it's pretty, pretty hard when you, when you think about the impact this is causing. So think about just regular business owners. And then when you impact, um, you see the impact of black and brown businesses, it, this magnifies the issues even more. So Bank America has created these three pillars, ones around uh, identify and connect. And I talked about connecting with these 15 business owners and we're starting with this first pilot about six business owners and they vast in years of business experience, diversity of industries, and also, you know, we have a non-for-profit in there as well as we have business, um, other standard type commercial type businesses. So we have aligned internally nine different lines of business to work with these business owners throughout the process. So that's one of the key pillars is the identify and then connect. The second pillar that we focus is on the educating and partnering. So Bank America has a whole bunch of resources to your question earlier internally that we can provide these business owners. One of the programs we have is we call it a Better um, Money Habits Program. And then we also have subject matter experts that we can leverage internally. When you think about marketing, we think about HR, when you think about technology, we have people in our organization that can help these business owners. I remember this analogy or the saying that um, it's not an individual that raises a child, it's the village that supports the family and supports the child. It's the same thing. And that's what we're trying to apply in this whole concept is really to leverage our expertise to help these businesses through the entire process. So that's around the education piece, the partnering. So leveraging Bank America's connections in the Charlotte community with other businesses. So think about it. If we can say to um, a business owner, a small business owner, a minority business owner that's looking to make some connections so he can continue to grow, connect them up with a Duke Energy. That's what we're trying to do is focus on the other large corporations in Charlotte where we can make those connections and hopefully create an opportunity to um, gain additional business for that business owner. And by the way, you know, we want to make sure this is working. So what we're doing is we have put in place a tracking system. 
internal tracking system so we can actually see what's working well and what's not working well. I, I shared with you before, this is a pilot. So we want to build upon this pilot and make sure it's really working. We want to make sure it's really helping these business owners. At the end of the day, everybody on this initiative, on the bank side, the advisory side, is doing this on a voluntary basis. They're doing it because they see the need, they see the desire to help these business owners. The last pillar is a critical pillar. Pillar is around the mentoring and sponsoring. And I'll just tie this up by saying, right now, you know, our focus is trying to help these businesses get their financing in place. You heard that was a critical um, initiative for these business owners. So we are focusing on that as well. So what we're doing is making sure if Bank of America today cannot provide the financing, we want to make sure we align with resources that can help them. So some of the resources are the CDFIs, Community Development Financial Institutions, and MDIs, Minority Deposit Institutions. So today, if we're not able to do this, we're able to identify these organizations that can provide the immediate working capital for these businesses. We're testing this, we're tracking it, we wanna make sure it's working. So that helps you understand our process. And again, it's taking place in multiple markets around the footprint for Bank America. I'm really looking forward to see where we go from here and the success rate of this. So I think one of the important things uh, that you're pointing to is that businesses don't exist in a vacuum. And, you know, that's in incorporated in the name of the study that we're doing, Minority Owned Business Ecosystem. It's a system, an ecosystem. And uh, James, what are some of the most important sources of support that you've encountered? And what have you found in, in your time as a business owner that we are lacking in Charlotte? Well, I think... Um largely there hasn't been support for black businesses um until until um everything happened with george floyd and uh racial justice became a conversation uh, i think we were um systemically excluded from most of our banking systems um they just generally don't haven't worked haven't had a history of working for black and brown people and i'll take a step further i appreciate um less than erica um accepting accountability through this through this whole process because I think uh, I read I read a quote somewhere over the weekend that 50 billion dollars in uh 50 billion dollars was uh, vouched to black and brown communities but uh very little of it has actually uh actually has actually been um acted upon at this point so I think um even still now the same problem the same problem uh is occurring a lot of people are talking but not many people are, uh, are working and holding themselves accountable. So that's the thing that I appreciate about being a member on uh, a member of the Bank of, Bank, of, Bank of America advisory board is they're allowing themselves to be held accountable um, because uh, go, going back to my earlier comment, the only way that you make it is bootstrapping and figuring it out. Um, as, a, as a 15 year entrepreneur, um, I've had to figure it out countless times. And uh, largely many times you're robbing Peter to pay Paul especially at critical times in your career. And even when things are going well for your industry, um, there's lead times on products so there may be product that you need and that product can change the whole trajectory of your business. But without access to capital, you can't get those product, you can't get that product through the door to get to your consumer to ever really change the business trajectory. So largely for me, it's been um, my ability to have uh, great vendor partners and great vendor relationships and people throughout uh, my career who was willing to bet on me and uh, bet on uh, what we were building as a business, because if it wasn't for some of those key relationships, 
um, we wouldn't have made it, uh, specifically around 2008 when things were tough, not just for me, but for all of America. So if, if all of America was in a great recession, you can only imagine how it was for black and brown businesses. So I'll, I'll just uh, finish up by simply saying that um, it's really important for us to stay locked in um, because it's, it's, it's pretty bleak when it comes to um, help for black and brown, black and brown uh, folks in America. And Eli, I'll just jump in on what um, was just shared by James. It's interesting. This is the same conversation we had, what, 10, 15 years ago. Nothing much has changed. And what we saw, we asked um, for some of our, um, all our, all of our um, business owners to provide us with some written feedback. And one thing that came out loud and clear, and then we eventually met with them, one-on-one, is around the trust factor. They don't trust big banks. They don't trust any banks. Um, to James's point earlier. And it was amazing when we sat down with them and had a very open conversation, you could see that trust level was building with them in just those basic questions and getting some feedback from them. And the other thing I'll share with you, which I found really interesting, and Angelique, maybe you can touch on this, is most of the business owners that we spoke to, you know, they're very focused on growing their business, you know, making it efficient, but what's interesting enough, a lot of those businesses also have a nonprofit arm. James has one as well. Talk about giving back to the community. So not only they're focused on growing their business, but they want to make sure they're looking back and helping others as they continue to grow. So I, I find that interesting in this whole conversation. And, and something that I'll jump in and say, and Angelique, we'll let you go because we don't want to hog the ball, which we have been doing. Um, uh, another stat that I wrote uh, that I that I read uh, recently or within the last year was that. Um, Black businesses employ more Black people than any other businesses, right? So, like, we we tend to do better and then do better for our communities. Um, the non-community, the, the uh, non-profit part of our business is a huge part of our business. The retail, the retail portion is actually very additive. Um, I can get into that. I'll get into some of those details a little, a little later. Um, like I said, I don't want to. I don't want to continue to hog the ball with my man here. Uh, let's pivot. <laughs> so um to add to that conversation i think um there are a myriad of resources in charlotte mecklenburg um provided by a range of institutions um such as local government nonprofits, universities and colleges um economic development corporations um that indirectly or directly support businesses um oftentimes with um communities of color that might be indirect support but i think uh they all bring resources to the table um but businesses are especially interested in capital and funding access to markets networking building capacity since they are um oftentimes have zero to one uh, uh employees so they're they're extremely limited in their capacity. So any way to build that capacity, such as education, training, mentorship, technical assistance, um, that's what they need. And uh, we need a targeted approach um, to provide that to the business community, um, the minority owned business community and a centralized place to obtain resources. Um, there's so many times that I've heard during interviews that they just don't know where to look. Like you mentioned, um, James, you, you know, it took you five years to get 
you know, situated. Um, and if there is a centralized place just to find capital, resource, um, technical support, training, something, um, and just information that supports not just the startup phase, but the, you know, having when they try to maintain their business, when they're trying to grow their business. So at each uh, stage of development, that's important. Yeah, I'll jump in and 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 had another detail. It's funny, right? Because you stumble around those first five years, and most people can't even afford to stumble around for that period of time, right? Because what largely happens is, uh, to your point about capital, um, when you're stumbling around and figuring it out, there's really there's really no support, right? So uh, that's what a statistic is. Most businesses fail. What is it? Uh, most fail within the first year, and then the rest that don't fail within the first five. That makes sense. But so, so that's the place where we really need in that in that first year. Unless we've talked a lot about this with uh with some of the support or some of the professional support that you guys want to uh, provide as a part of what you're doing. That's why some of that's important because you know, um, to your point about networking and just access to information. Um, that information is power. I remember in my first and second year, just like as being like lit up when I got some new information and, and, and some of that stuff carried me through. So Eli, I'm going to jump on to what um, James was just mentioning, because it's really interesting. An aha moment came about for us with these uh, 15 cohorts. So we've had a couple of conference calls with all the business owners. And it's interesting. We talk about the village helping the these business owners, but it, it was what we found interesting is now we're seeing these business owners connecting with each other separately from our calls, right? So Bank America is going to try to leverage that. I mentioned to you that we have 14 other markets that we have this in. So what we're going to do is we're probably going to start scheduling um, WebEx calls for these business owners to join nationally because we think there could be some synergies to um, James's point with these business owners once they get to see who else is involved in the, in the organization or in this in initiative. The other thing I will share with you, Bank America is working on a couple other, well, I would say, very impactful initiatives that can also help these business owners with external partners. Some more to come on that. But I'm excited about it. Um, I think our team is excited about it because if you think about it, James talked about 2008. You know, a lot of these businesses they've started or survived to 2008, and now a good percentage of them have survived the pandemic. So where do they go from here and how can we help? Yeah, and I think that networking and access to information, you know, those are harder to quantify than just access to capital or something concrete like that, that has a dollar figure attached and you can look at it. But those networks and those sources of information hey how did you deal with this issue hey oh you know that this space is coming available you know maybe you can hook me up with a broker to talk about it um, all those sorts of things really matter a lot as well uh, can you talk a little bit more about how you've been assisted by that and how that sort of played out uh, in your business career well, for, so for me, relationships are everything. It's, 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 the, it's, the, it's the bedrock and foundation of everything that we've built in re, uh, relationship and reputation. If you, can, if, you can, um, if you have a point of view that's sharp enough and distinct enough, um, the rest of it can carry you because if you look at the marketplace, most people aren't doing anything interesting, right? Like uh, I'll take a shot at Charlotte right now. And if you, look, if you start looking at how 
real estate is being developed in Charlotte, if you just look around, it's apartment, 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 apartment. There isn't any new innovative thinking. When you when you take a city like Charlotte and you add some innovative thinking to it, there's going to be people around North America and, and even bigger than that, around the world who's willing to come in and support because they understand the opportunity that is here. And sometimes, to, to our earlier point, it doesn't show up in capital, but what it shows up in is a relationship. And if you get a vendor who has an, who has who understands the opportunity uh, uh, that, that's presenting itself for you, then they're willing to um, maybe give you net terms on goods. And if if you're right, those net terms on goods sell through, and it begins to build the foundation of a business. Um, you take that, and then you you add a multiplier to it across. 50 brands or 100 brands and then you got a business but to the earlier point uh it starts it starts off with having uh it starts off with having a distinct point of view and a unique point of view in a market where there's opportunity which there is which there's a ton of opportunity in charlotte and then it's uh built those it's built those relationships so as we get close to um the last five minutes or so here i want to give each of you the chance to just kind of answer um question if you could change anything about charlotte our institutions this community to make this a a better city a more welcoming and supportive city for minority-owned businesses uh, what would you change and why start you are um i think we've begun to take the right steps as a city um just with this study identifying what barriers exist for minor minority-owned business um businesses and identifying solutions we can, ad can adopt to assist in making um, the business sector just a little bit more equitable. When, when I first got to Charlotte, um, a comment that was made to me was, black, black and white folks work together in Charlotte, but we don't play together. And that always sat with me. And, and as I got older, I realized um, more, more and more, I, I began to realize and feel the systemic issues um, and the systemic roadblocks that were just in a way for black folks. And I feel like Charlotte will never really thrive in America or will never really thrive until, until the industries and institutions and systems in place get very comfortable allowing um, black and brown people to have a space. And, and it's not, we don't, we don't want a space carved out for us. We just want the same opportunities afforded to us uh, this, this afforded to everyone else. Um, we have to we have to all work on and be intentional about working on tearing down the systemic issues that, that block us that block us from equitable participation. Black and black and brown people have a, a unique place in our in our economic system, and people need to be comfortable allowing us to thrive. And how about you, Les? I think uh, Angelique and James summed it up really nicely. A couple of things I will say: um, if you think about what the city is trying to do with the mayor and some of the other initiatives that various corporations are trying to do. And Bank America hasn't always gotten it right, but we acknowledge that. We're trying to figure out how to do a better job going forward. I think we're in an interesting time of year for, for the whole city, but also for the country, right? Given what has transpired and passed, I just realized we're coming up to the first year anniversary of um, George Floyd which is amazing. I can't believe it's a year that's passed already. So if you think about the environment we're living in, we can't figure out how to do it right here in Charlotte. I'm not sure when's the right time. Uh, 
But again, I feel good about it. And I think it's going to, to James's point, I think it's going to have to do with a lot of businesses working together on this initiative to help the black and brown community. And trust me, if they do that, when we do that, now the black and brown business owners will help other black and brown businesses. I, I see this as a win-win for everybody. We just got to figure out how to put it all together. So I'm excited about what that's, the city of Charlotte can do. And I'm excited to be a part of it. And I'm sure Eric would say the same thing. She's excited to be about part of my co-chair on this whole initiative. So I'm looking forward to seeing more. Well, thank you all for joining us. Angelique, I know we are going to have uh, this report about this study available on the Urban Institute's uh, website for people to check out uh, when it's released. You will be able to find that on ui.uncc.edu. And uh, for Les and James, uh, where can people find out more about you, about this initiative, and uh, for James, about your businesses? For our businesses, the easiest way to get it, to get out of this is probably social or uh, or online. Amaminier.com, uh, uh, socialstatuspgh.com, appbstore.com, and let us prosper. And same on social media. And for me, I'm pretty boring on social media, but my handle is james.witner, same as my name. So I will tell you right now, our goal is to get this done right for all these business owners that we have the part of this cohort. And as we move through this process through the rest of the year, you'll hear more about the different initiatives Bank of America's been doing, not only in Charlotte, but nationally. So obviously, if, if anybody has any questions, you can reach me at les.lambert at bankamerica.com or B of A. Um, but I'm excited about where we are. Still a lot of work to do. I'm looking forward to accomplishing it with Erica's help. Well, thank you all so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on the Future Charlotte podcast, produced by me, Eli Portillo, at the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. Keep looking to the future, Charlotte.